All right, so we're going to talk about spiritual growth as both an invitation and an opportunity. And so um, there's a game we have played many times um, throughout my youth ministry, and it's called Grow Tag. And what, it, what, what the purpose of this is, is I would never be able to catch Clinton. It just wouldn't happen. So he would never be it, right? He'd just run around and jump over and do all kinds of stuff. I'd never catch him. So there's a game called Grow Tag. And so how it works is the person that is it will go and they will tag another person. And now you start building this chain, right? And so now you got two people, then the two people tag a third, and now you got three people. And eventually you'll get to a big enough spot to where you'll be able to corner this person. And so um, when you do this, eventually that fast kid is not going to be able to avoid it. But you have to do it within boundaries, right? You have to, like, if you did it here, took all the chairs and the stage out, eventually – 10 people would be able to go across the whole room, and Clinton would not be able to get through it. Or anybody that's fast, that's avoidable. Um, Adam Bartlett's a super fast dude. He'd be one that you'd have to corral into. But that is how you would get him. But the only way to get that is through growth. And so it's no different than our Christian walk. We have to grow. If we don't grow, we don't learn. And if we come up against hard times, we struggle. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. Uh, in Matthew 13, you guys have probably heard this, this parable many times. Um, and so what I love about this parable is Jesus talks about a bunch of different parables in his ministry. The parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the yeast, the parable of the wheat and the weeds, uh, the parable of the fishing. Now, he talks about all these, but this one specifically, he actually breaks down. So really what I'm going to say is basically what Jesus said. And so that makes studying a lot easier when God tells you what he wants you to say. And so uh, we're going to go over this and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about um, the sowing of the seed is kind of my first point, which is basically just the reading of the scripture. And um, the sower is Jesus and the word of God. And the seed is us, and so we need to uh, just listen to what God has for us in this uh, scripture today. Um, and I want you guys just to remember, spiritual growth is both an invitation and an opportunity. All right, Matthew 13, 1 through 9 says this. That day Jesus went out of the house and was sitting by the sea, and large crowds gathered to him, so he got into a boat and sat down, and the whole crowd was standing on the beach. I want you guys to picture that for just a second. In today's world, we have a time that you can come into the church house and you can meet. Just imagine sitting on the beach and people are flocking to come listen to the Word of God. Unannounced, Jesus is on the beach, and all of a sudden here comes all these people. And so there were so many people that Jesus wasn't able just to sit on the beach and talk to them. Jesus had to get on a boat to go out into the water to project to tell everyone about this parable. So it was super important. And so pick up in verse 3 says, And he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell on the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprung up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a 
a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let us hear. So what's God saying? Everyone there could hear him. And so he's trying to paint a picture because these people that are there are most likely farmers. All right? They have fields. They survive because of their ability to be a farmer. So if you've been out to my place, I got a big open field in my backyard. It's 256 feet wide by about 70 feet deep. And I have begged and begged that if you want to come build a um, vegetable garden out there, you're welcome to, but no one's taking me up on that because I have no idea how to do it. So still, the offer is still there. The farmers are just now planting their crop, so I know we have time. So I don't have a tiller. I don't have anything. But if you want to use my water but build, on, build your vegetable garden on my property, I will allow you to do that. I just get to reap your benefit, okay? So you guys can have yours too, but I definitely want to get some, okay? Homemade salsa is amazing. So um, please, at the end of the sermon, if you feel led to go plant a garden at Jason's house, I will more then willingly let you come do that, all right? Because if I do it, it's not going to survive, I promise. But if you do it, what's that? Yes, I mean, maybe you guys don't have land. You, you need a little extra. I got it, okay? I tried to talk my neighbor into it. I said, your plot's small. You can go back there. He wouldn't do it either. So, And he's my neighbor, so I don't know what I'm going to do. So anyway, um, back to the Bible. Matthew 13, 18 through 23 says this. And this is so cool how God breaks this down. He's talking to his disciples now, and he's telling them, exactly what he was meaning. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what, what, what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. Verse 20, the one on whom seed was sown on the rocky place, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction of persecution arise because of the, wor the word, immediately he falls away. And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word. And the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth chokes the word. And it becomes unfruitful. And then verse 23. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil... This is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. So when I first read this many years ago, it didn't really make a ton of sense to me why a farmer would just throw seed on rocks. He knows it's not going to grow, right? So doing some studying on how this works is back in Jesus' day, they had like little plots. So again, I'm going to use the room. There's a room like this size grass, obviously, and then there's a pathway, and then there's another field, and there's a pathway, and there's another field. And what they would do is they would fill a, fill a sack up full of seed. They would throw it over their shoulder, and they would walk with it, and those seeds would fall out, and then they would see the birds eating them. And so that is why the seed fell there. It just didn't make sense to me at first until I started doing some research. So yesterday, I'm sitting at the house, and I hear it, but I don't see it. But Everett saw it before me, and all I hear him yelling is, tractor, tractor, tractor. So all the combines are out now. I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but the uh, corn is starting to pop through. The soybeans are finally starting to pop. They're late this year. I hope it's okay. But um, 
you know, in today's society and how we plant a farm. Is anyone out here a farmer, has tractors and all that? Well, you're a farmer but don't have a tractor. That's the guy I'm trying to get to my house right there. I've seen his, far, his uh, vegetable garden. But anyway, so how it works is my old boss is a farmer, and the farm equipment these days is all autopilot. All right, you go in there, you punch your coordinates in, you tell it what you want it to do, what you're planning, and that thing literally drives itself. It makes the churns in the, co- in the uh, bean fields and then the corn fields, and it does every single thing you want it to do. You don't do anything. When your hopper runs out of seed, it stops at that moment, does not move. All right, so imagine just sitting there, relaxing, all of a sudden, whoop. It stops, right? So the farmer knows where he's got to go. He's got to go fill that hopper. Mostly they fill up all the hoppers. And they do this all the whole time. And it takes days and days and days and days to plant this crop. Well, back in Jesus' day, it didn't work that way, right? They literally had to dig a hole, plant a seed, dig a hole, plant a seed, dig a hole, plant a seed. And so some of you still do that. Uh, I've had the privilege to watch the Amish do it. It's pretty cool. They get behind a mule. He drags up the ground and... He's walking behind and planting as the thing goes, which is pretty cool. But um, anyway, the greatest thing is is how Jesus breaks this down for us. So we're going to talk about the bad soil for a minute. And this bad soil we all have experienced in our life. In your Christian walk, you have seen bad soil. All right? It's been a part of your life, and someone in this room is going through all three phases of some type. One of you is going through the phase of, I don't care about religion. All right? We're bombarded with negativity. All right? We call them keisters. Have you guys ever heard that? You know what a keister is? It's a, it's a Christmas and an Easter Christian. All right? They come to those two services and those two services only. You know why they only come to those two services? Because they're the only ones we invite them to. All right, and that's on us as a Christian. We need to invite people week after week after week to come in to services. So verse 19, Jesus says, if the seed is thrown on the road or if you listen to a message and the evil, and the evil one attacks, there is no lasting spiritual growth. All right, I've seen that happen. I've seen people come in. They say, oh, that's a good sermon, Rashad. Oh, that was a good sermon, Jason, and you never see them again. Because it just didn't stick. They did because they came because you invited them, and they have no interest in Christianity. They have no interest in anything but that bad soil. They're stuck. They could care less, and they think you don't care anymore because you only invited them to Christmas and Easter. I'm guilty too. Don't think I'm just talking to you. I'm just as bad. Hey, Dad, you want to go to Easter service this Sunday? I tried. Hey, Tornado's doing a special day. You want to come? You see where he is, right? Not here. Okay, so anyway, and that's our fault. That's what we do. We don't invite enough, and so we are satisfied with people being there. Christians, we do this ourselves. We put our people in the bad soil. We put our people in because we don't invite them enough. We don't talk enough about God, and so their ears get tickled, and that's it, and they walk away, and they're done. Verse 20, Jesus said, on the next seat is thrown on rocky ground, all right? In this instant, Jesus says it's like a person who hears the word of God and is excited, but the moment something comes against them, they're done. The moment, right? I've seen that many a times in youth ministry. I'll see a kid get saved. I'll see a kid pumped up. And then all of a sudden, something happens, school, a parent, yeah, you can name anything. And they get frustrated and they leave. And they're done. And so they no longer want to be part of this Christian faith. 
All right? So if you watch children's ministries, that's how it works. We got 40 kids probably back there right now. Well, not today. But typically there's 40 kids back there, all right? And there's five or six in fifth and sixth grade. And then hopefully you can do enough things from sixth to 12th grade that you can get a few more to come back. But that is because it's hard for them to tell people about Jesus. And we don't train them enough so when they go out, they can defend their faith. It's called apologetics. I get to teach it this year at church camp, and I'm super excited about it. Hopefully I'll make it interesting for them. But they get challenged. And then we're the same way, right? We're excited. We heard God's word. We go to work. And then everything under the sun attacks you. And you're like, I'm not talking about God here. It's not worth it. So then there's in verse uh, 22, it talks about the person that uh, talks about the seed that were thrown among the thorns. The plant would grow, but eventually the thorns would steal nutrients away from the plant. It's supposed to produce fruit, but the plant dies. And so that's a lot of us in our Christian walk. We go, we get saved, we live a life, but then we just give up. All right? You hear the uh, once a believer, always a believer, once saved, always saved. So we give up. I'm saved. I give up. And that's dangerous, and we can't do that. And we have to make sure that we always attack the devil. He is always attacking you, so you always got to attack him by being grounded in God's word. It's not easy. It's an everyday thing. Um, this week has been a really, really rough, rough week for me. Um, it's tournament week at the softball fields. And so I leave my day job, I get off at 3, I typically go home, grab a kid or two, and then I head right back up to the softball fields, and then me and Elizabeth are typically there till about 11 p.m. at night. And so it's been rough. Trying to get in my Bible this week has been tough, and I'm like, oh, yeah, i got to preach this week. Man, I better get in that thing. So anyway, I sit there, and this week has been so crazy. So this is what happens. If I was a new Christian, I'm not kidding, I would have gave up this week. All right? Monday I get a phone call. You need to get up here to Diamond 2. A little girl just smacked another little girl in the face. I'm like, what? So I got to go deal with that. Then this week also two people, two grown men at 10U softball are nose-to-nose ready to fight over a Facebook post. I mean, This is in Brownsburg, people, okay? So if you don't live in Brownsburg, be proud right now, all right? So it's it's been a rough week. And then uh, someone that used to attend this church um, came up, and she starts yelling at me. And I have, this was before I knew anything about the two men getting into it, had no idea. And she thinks it's my fault. And so thankfully, I have been grounded enough to be able to talk. And all these people I've been able to talk to God this week. The little parents or the little girl mom that I got to talk to, I got to talk to her about God and how uh, we have to deal with consequences. And then with the two men, I got to talk to them about, you know, if you have an issue with someone, go privately and talk to them. And these men are Christians, all right? And they're professed Christians. Like they will tell you they're Christians, not shy about it. But then there's 10 of her his Uh, little players and their parents that get to see a Christian in action. All right? And so we need to make sure that we are always on the good soil, which we're about to talk about here in just a few minutes. Um, 
If you genuinely take God's message to heart, desire to grow in your relationship with him, and back up the desires with action, then you grow. All right, I want to read that again. If you genuinely take God's message to heart, desire to grow in your relationship with him, and back up the desire with action, then you grow. All right, you have to have a desire. You can't just say, oh, I sat in church Sunday, I'm good. I'll get there next Sunday. You can't do that. You have to want the desire to grow. you got to want to dig into God's word. If you don't dig into God's word, you're not going anywhere, I promise. All right, this is the living word. It changes, and it will talk to you differently. The same verse. People have heard this this parable before. I hope there's something today I say that you haven't heard because that's the whole intent of God's word. All right? God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son, John 3, 16. That means something totally different to a lost person than it does to me. All right? So God's word is always, always speaking to you in some way. Some way. It might speak to me totally different. Someone might walk out of this and say, I didn't get anything out of the message. And someone might be, man, that was the best message I've ever heard. And when you're up here speaking, one of the greatest things is it's not us. It's through God that he allows us to share these stories. And so um, I've been driving the same route to work for about a year now. And I remember last year about this time when I noticed a sign appeared. And then I looked over and it was, hey, I can't, I can't remember exactly how the sign's worded, but basically don't put no pesticides on this side of the field. And so as it went, I started noticing it was a grapevine or grape vineyard. And there was multiple lines and, I mean, clean, no weeds, no nothing. And last year they were doing the harvest and I stopped and I was, I was interested. I stopped and said, hey, can I, can I taste a grape? I'm interested. I've watched them grow this whole time. I'll be honest, I was hoping they gave me a bunch, but they gave me one grape, all right? <laughs> gave me one grape, let me taste that sucker. It was good, I'm not going to lie. It was nice and juicy, and they gave me one. But what was so cool is it took work. I mean, I would drive by there at 6.30 in the morning. They're out there in their gators, and there's 15 people walking these, these vineyards, and they're clipping stuff, and they're, one person's on the ground clipping weeds away. I mean, it was crazy the amount of effort they put in there. But that's the, what we have to do. We have to put a crazy amount of effort into God's word and into God. Because if we don't, it's so easy to fall. It's so easy. Every single one of us have lived that, all right? I'm going to give you guys a story. I'm going to give you my testimony. Um, I came to the realization, listening to Nick and to, and to Lewis talk about their testimony last week, that we have grown a lot in the last two, three years. And so a lot of you might not know my testimony, but I have been in every single one of these phases in my life. In my Christian walk, I have been there. I remember growing up, I went to an all-boy Catholic high school, went to a Lutheran grade school. And um, I remember talking to Father Mike on there. He was probably one of the coolest guys I knew in school. When you go to a Catholic school, the teachers typically aren't nice, and the nuns really aren't nice. So anyway, um, but Father Mike, he was really approachable, and I remember talking to him one time, and I asked him about Jesus. How is this Jesus guy perfect? Like, he's born just like I was. How is he perfect? And Father Mike gave some, I don't know, seminary answer that he learned in Catholic seminary. I didn't understand it, but so still that day, I didn't understand either, so I wasn't saved, 
And so uh, me and Elizabeth, we, we got together. We bought our first trailer. Uh, we lived in a trailer park, and uh, it was trashed. Holy cow, it was trashed. But it was our first home, right? And so we're fixing it up, and uh, this is funny because it wasn't me, but I was ripping the floor out, and I was putting new linoleum down, and I didn't cut the register vent out, and she was walking and fell right through that sucker. Boom! Right? I thought it was funny. She didn't. So anyway, you know, that was our very first tribe in uh, our walk with each other. She wanted to kill me. But anyway... Um, we sit there and we meet our neighbor and our neighbor says, Hey, you want to go to church? Well, that's something Elizabeth and I have always talked about. I don't know where her drive came from to go to church. She never went to church as a kid. I did attend, uh, Catholic and Lutheran services all the time. And so I didn't know where that came from, but then our neighbor said, Hey, do you want to go to church? which I thought was really weird because my dad also lived in that same trailer park at the time, and there was a nice lake behind us, and I fished with her husband a lot. And when she said church and I knew her husband, I was like, hmm, that's weird because he definitely did not walk the walk. And matter of fact, he didn't claim God at all. So it was kind of the unevenly yoke thing that I'd never heard at this time, but it makes sense to me now. But anyway, so we go, and we go up to Noblesville to church, and we go in and exactly that. I heard the word of God. That's not for me. I walked away. For whatever reason, a month or two go down the road, and I believe Teresa asked us to go again or something special was happening, so we went again. And so I remember specifically thinking, okay, we need to do something. So I felt good. We walked out. The world attacked. I worked at a construction company. I don't know if you guys know anything about construction, but typically it's the furthest thing away from God you can get to. And so um, I'm there and everything is so negative. Everyone's life's falling apart. Everyone's partying. They have a different girlfriend every week. And so it's just, it was crazy. And I was like, yeah, this God thing's not for me. And so then, I don't know, we, we went a couple times, but it was more pleasing Teresa than it was going for ourselves, and then God just kept speaking, and then we felt good. You guys hearing the key word here? I felt good, and so we went, and we attended, and we tried to live that life, and then we would see other Christians doing things that weren't Christian, and so we let that we or that those weeds and thorns come up, and they attacked us. And we were like, we don't want to be a part of that because you're exactly what everyone says a Christian is, a hypocrite. And so, again, we were like, whatever, we're not doing this. And, again, for whatever reason, we go again. We're just gluttoning ourselves for punishment. And so it was the end of July in the year 2000 that I'm sitting there. And we hadn't been for a couple weeks, maybe a couple months. I can't remember. That's a long time ago. Anyway, um, I remember the... Pastor Mark Lau preached the message of why Jesus was perfect. And I broke down. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so simple. Why didn't I know that? And so I went up and I prayed and I asked God to save me right there. I went home. Uh, I was 21 years old. I drank heavily. I cussed like a sailor. Man, I was a good one. It was bad. And so somehow God took that away. Um, I like the two things I gave up instantly was drinking and cursing instantly. It was something God took, but I struggled with pornography. 
And so eventually God took that away as well. And so um, anyway, we're sitting there, and I remember Mark Lau saying, hey, can I come to your house? And we're like, it's not a house, it's a trailer. But, yeah, come on over. So he comes on over, and um, I've always, always loved children. I've always loved coaching. When I was 10 years old, I helped my dad coach a five-year-old team. And so I've always just grew up in loving to pour into kids for whatever reason. And so I had been watching the children's ministry, uh, and I didn't like the way it was going. So I told Mark, he comes in, he says, hey, uh, tell me a time when you were saved. And I was like, oh, my gosh, this is awesome. I was just saved two weeks ago. I told him the whole story I just told you guys. And then he looked at my wife, and I'm like, oh, gosh, she's never told me she was saved. This is going to be fun. And she informs Mark, Pastor Mark, that she was saved that same day. But we, we never talked about it. And so Elizabeth at the time also noticed there was a need in the children's ministry. And we told Pastor Mark, hey, we want to take over the children's ministry. And he said, that is awesome. We've been praying for a, a couple to come and take over it. But there's a problem. You're not married. You're living together in sin. And I was like, dang it. And so there's only one way to fix that, people, get married. So we, uh, we called Mark out of the blue. We went downtown. We got our marriage license, and uh, Mark came over and married us right in the front yard of that trailer. I could take you right to the spot right now, all right? And that was all because of the growth that I experienced in the good soil that I was planting myself in, all right? And so we can all get to that good soil. We all will be in that bad soil at some point in our walk, all right? But once you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're now in that good soil, and you need to desire to grow. So many of us are, I'm saved, I'm done. It doesn't work that way. Jesus has never, ever given up on you, ever. And you should never give up on him, all right? So through that, we... Got saved. God allowed us to grow this children's ministry. It was like five, six kids um, at the time. We didn't have any. No, we didn't have any at the time. That's right. Uh, sorry, I lose track with five. It's kind of hard. But anyway, so um, we, hey, calm down over there. <laughs> He's got 13. He's got me beat. So anyway, um, so we get the opportunity and we grow this children's ministry to 100 kids. It was nothing we did. It was all God blessing through us being planted in the good soil. It was nothing we did. And so we go, we move out of our trailer, and that's a whole story Elizabeth reminded me of after first service. I don't want to get into that. But we move into an apartment and we build our first home. And at the time, when we go to move in our first home, we have two kids now. One is six days old. And so we move, we move into a brand new house, and um, somebody forgot to tell me you have to pay taxes. And so um, it was really the Homestead Act. But anyway, they forgot to tell us that. So we're faithful to church. We're faithful to studying. We did devos every night together as a couple. We struggle with that now because we work weird schedules together, but we still, we still do them, but not near how we used to. 
And, I mean, we were on fire. We tithed. We did everything that we felt God wanted us to do. And then we lost everything. Lost our house. Lost both vehicles, brand new vehicles. And I had two kids. And my wife, God love her, when she was a kid, they literally lost every house she ever lived in. She came home multiple times with her parents' furniture and belongings all in the front yard. And I was like, that's not happening to me. So we start searching, and we end up moving into this single older lady's apartment. She moves out with her family, lets us live there. And then we just stay faithful. But I ask God, why? Why did you do this to us? Like, I thought we were that picture-perfect Christian that you talk about. We defend you when people make fun of you. We do all these things. But now we've lost everything. But we stayed planted in that good soil. That house that we lost took seven years to sell. Seven years on foreclosure. I think they sold it, finally sold it for like $56,000, and we paid 112 for it. But I tell you guys that story to tell you this, that through that hardship that God made us go through is what ended us up here in Brownsburg. We started this church eight years ago. That house sold three years after we moved to Brownsburg. If we did not lose that house, we would not have been able to be a part of church, planting Church on the Rock. And so that was God's whole plan the whole time. Trust me, I struggled. I was very upset about it because one thing I never wanted to do was have bad credit, lose my house. My parents never owned a house. We rented. Elizabeth got kicked out of every house she lived in. We said we would never go through that, and we did. And through that, God has been able to allow me to minister to people that were in the same situation we were in at the time. And so... But God has blessed greatly. We live in Brownsburg. We bought a house. We bought a house for super cheap that you should not be able to get in Brownsburg. And then God has blessed us with our new home in Pittsburgh uh, that sits on four acres. And um, he's just blessed us. And it's nothing that we have done. It's all God. And it's just being faithful. You're going to go through hard times, I promise you. Who here has been through hard times? Right. Who's going through hard times now? Listen, me and my wife, thank you for standing up, Landon, yes, going through hard times now. Me and my wife, like this was not a good marriage week for Jason and Elizabeth, all right? I think we wanted to kill each other at least seven times out of the seven days. And so it, it's been a challenge this week because life gets in the way, all right? It's hard. You have, I have five kids, all right? They need to be in five different directions. I have to make sure they're watched. The devil will use anything. Something you think is good, the devil can use against you, all right? So make sure that when you think you're on the highs of highs, remember the devil can come right in and bust you up, all right? And so if you're not planted, if you're not uh, trying to desire God's word and grow, you will get knocked down. It's what you're going to do when it happens. I promise you're not ever going to, always going to be on this high road. It's not going to happen. God does not promise that, but he promises he will always be with you, and he'll never forsake you. And so when you go through those times, I want you to see God in them. One way spiritual growth happens is by creating a healthy environment around you. If you're in a bad environment, right, work, work is typically a bad environment for all of us, all right? Thankfully, I have the great opportunity. I work in a prison, so obviously I'm around a bunch of guys that have done bad things. doesn't mean they're bad people. They've just done bad things. 
And so God has given me great opportunities to talk about him. And so Ralph, who now works for me, has got the same opportunity, and he has been able to witness to these guys. And it's something that God has allowed us to do, and, it, and it's awesome to be able to tell people about Jesus. So this week, the warden, right, the big guy, suit, looking all good, comes in my office unannounced. I had no idea he was coming. My secretary didn't warn me, and all of a sudden, hey, Leona, he's got this really crazy deep voice. I'm like, oh, my gosh, the warden's in here, right? And he comes in, and he says, how you doing, Jason? And I said, well, I'm on the float bus today because I was struggling. And that man sat down, and we got to talk about God together. And so these are the things that God will allow you if you let him, all right? You have to find an opportunity to talk about God. So many of us are like, I can't leave that job. I make X amount of dollars. I can't go to a lower-paying job. God will take care of you, all right? I was making $1,000 a week, had a company vehicle, lost everything, went, made, went to a job making $13 an hour as a correction officer. God took care of us. Don't ask me to this day how we made it because we didn't even make it paycheck to paycheck. We made it paycheck one week, and then we broke. All right? But God, being faithful to God, took care of us. And now God has just blessed us beyond our wildest dreams. 20 years ago when me and Elizabeth got together, first off, I wouldn't have thought we lasted 20 years. But we did, thank God, and I hope we last another 20. But that's it, only if I stay alive. And so um, if she doesn't kill me first, but... There are so many things in life we can give up on. Don't give up on God. If you're in a situation to where it makes you walk the struggle bus or ride the struggle bus, get off. Whatever it takes, all right? If you have to make a major change in your life to go somewhere to stay deeply rooted in the good soil, go away to the good soil. Don't stay in the bad soil. It's just going to constantly pull you down, all right? And it's hard. It's hard to live on the struggle bus, because not only do you have to deal with it at work, but you'll have to deal with it throughout your entire life, all right? So I just want to tell you guys, if there's one here that is living in any of those three soils, all right, first time here at Church on the Rock, first time in church, and you're like, oh, yeah, but I, I like staying here. It's not a good place to be. You have no hope. If you're in that spot where your ears were tickled and you're excited and you go out and you're letting someone just put you right back down, keep fighting. Keep searching for God. Keep digging into his word. If you're in there but you feel you're under attack right now, keep fighting. Stay in the good soil. The good soil is where we need to be. Read God's word. God's word will speak to you in ways you've never seen if you will just sit and study it. All right, these parables are great. They're all over the place. Read them. Find the context of them. The mustard seed, you guys have heard that, right? If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. I mean, if you guys have ever seen a mustard seed, they are super tiny. They grow the biggest plant because if we just had that little bit. And so I challenge you guys today to surrender to God. Surrender to God. All right, if you have a pen, I didn't do this first service. I did tell him the five questions, but I didn't give him an opportunity to write them down. All right, I want you to ask yourself these five questions this week. What does spiritual growth mean to you? 
What does spiritual growth mean to you? How have you experienced spiritual growth in the past? How have you experienced spiritual growth in the past? What is a difficult situation you are facing right now? And I guarantee if we all dig deep, there is a situation that we are facing right now that's difficult to handle. What's a difficult situation you're facing right now? Could that situation be an opportunity for growth? Why or why not? The why not really shouldn't even be there. We should be able to grow from every single situation we're in. In your own words, what does it mean to surrender to God? We're going to put these on. Oh, they're up on the board too. That's awesome. Um, we're going to put these on GroupMe and on Facebook as well. I want you through this week, all right? Hopefully this will help you to stay focused on God this week. Go through these five questions and ask yourself this. If you're married, ask your spouse to go over. Here's your devotion for the week right here, all right? What does spiritual growth mean to you? How have you experienced spiritual growth in the past? What's a difficult situation you're facing right now? Could this situation be an opportunity for growth? And in your own word, what does it mean to surrender to God? I'll give you my answer to surrender to God. Give him everything. And it's not easy. It's not easy. So if you could stand with me. If... You're not in the good soil. If you're living in that bad soil and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray that before the song is over that you come to him and believe. I always tell the youth and even the little kids the same, the same thing, the ABCs of salvation. First, you have to admit. Second, you have to believe. And third, you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's that simple. You can be saved and you can still be a bump on the log or you can be saved and go change the world. I tell you what you can't do. You can't just stay stagnant. You have to move. You have to study God's word. It's easy, so easy to fall into the devil's trap of all oh, you don't need to do Bible study. All oh, you're too busy to do a devotion with your wife. All oh, you're too busy for this. You're too busy for that. The devil will use anything he can against you and against God. But it's up to you if you're going to allow him to win or if you're going to allow God to win. Remember, God will never, ever give up on you. Do not give up on him.
remember he loves you. No matter what you're going through at this moment, he loves you. Let's pray, and then you guys are dismissed. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Dear God, Lord, we thank you so much for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be able to be in your house. Lord, we just ask that if there's one here, Lord, that doesn't know you, that before the day is over, they will. Lord, I pray if there's one here that uh, needs to rededicate their life, Lord, made that decision many years ago and they've walked away uh, and are sitting in that bad soil, Lord, that um, they pray for forgiveness and that they come back to you. Lord, I just ask that you'll continue to be with Rashad and Brittany and Genesis on their vacation. Lord, we pray that you bring them back to us um, this week as they travel. And Lord, we just ask that uh, you'll be with all the children as they're in their new classes. And Lord, we just pray that uh, they will be ministered to through uh, their teachers. Lord, we love you and we thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. This podcast is a ministry of Church on the Rock. If you would like to learn more, please visit our website at www.churchontherockbb.com.